Hi there, and welcome to the Oompal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode number 41, it is my pleasure to bring to you a chat with the incredible Canadian pipe carver, Mr. Stephen Downey. Check out his work over at downeypipes.com. That's D-O-W-N-I-E. And don't forget to check out the commissions area for a boatload of amazing goodness. Man, this guy is insane. Um, the following podcast is made possible by pipesandcigars.com. Hey, it's Christmas time, so here's what I want you to do. Cruise on over to pipesandcigars.com. Pick up a pipe and some tobacco, maybe, for your favorite friend, your favorite wife, let's say, your favorite girlfriend, boyfriend, your favorite elf, maybe your favorite podcaster, I don't know, whoever whoever it is that you feel like buying presents for, whether they're uh, a really, really nice podcaster or not, whoever it is, go over to pipesandcigars.com, grab something now, let me know what you got, whoever you're buying for, it doesn't matter, you will find the goods over at pipesandcigars.com, check them out, and let me know all about your experience with their awesome customer service. It is really, really good over there. The following podcast was recorded on November 28th, 2012. Now sit back, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. Okay, on the line with me today, I have the world-renowned Canadian carver, Mr. Stephen Downey. You can find his work over at www.downypipes.com. That's D-O-W-N-I-E-P-I-P-E-S. Um, why don't you go there right now, take a look at this guy's amazing work while we chat. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. First off, who is Stephen Downey? Tell me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, how old you are, and maybe a little bit about your family, stuff like that. Um, well, I grew up um, around Vancouver, over in uh, British Columbia here on the West Coast. Um, 36 years old right now. I've got a wife and a seven-year-old daughter. She'll be eight in January. And uh, yeah, just enjoying life on the West Coast here. And how did you first become interested in pipes in general? It's kind of funny. Um, years and years ago when I was a kid, I always liked the smell of pipes. And I think that's just kind of a common thing. Most people just love the smell of pipe tobacco because it's such a nice, warm, sweet smell. And I kind of forgot about it for a while. And then I went to university and I was doing an English degree there. And one of my roommates, um, he had a pipe. And every once in a while, he'd go outside and he'd smoke. And I'd hang out with him sometimes. I just remember his smelling is so good. So I just, he had a couple of spares and had this little medical bulldog. And uh, one day I decided, hey, can we give that a shot? And kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how long have you been making pipes? And tell me about your initial beginnings as a pipe maker. I've been making pipes, um, I guess since about 2003 is when I first got the drill press and stuck it in the living room. <laughs> um, uh, I started making pipes um, for a couple of reasons. Um, first off, I was working in the film industry here in Vancouver um, way back when. And working in the film industry is a lot of um, really, really boring times standing around doing not much. And so I picked up a, a piece of wood from the side of the road. I was I started just whittling away at a pipe tamper. I started making a tamper, and kind of things went downhill from there and uh, started getting more and more into that. And then, like I said, I, I with uh, the blessing of my wife, I got a drill press and uh, started making pipes on the side just kind of as a hobby. 
And the film industry here goes through cycles of up and down work where you're working and you're not working. And I was going through one of the down cycles. And I just decided that, hey, I'm going to give this a shot. And at the same time, found out that uh, my wife was pregnant. And again, working in the film industry is it's a lot of time. You're looking at 15 hours a day at least. Usually that's a normal day. Sometimes it would go to 18 or 20 hours a day. And for me, at least, being a father, I decided I didn't want that kind of schedule. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll give this pipe making thing a shot and see how that goes. And it's been good ever since. That's great. And, and that was my next question. At what point did you decide to, um, you know, consider pipe making something more than a hobby? So I guess I guess when, um, you know, your wife became pregnant, um, you decided, hey, you know, I, I don't want these long hours. Maybe this pipe making gig is is a really good idea and kind of went for it from there. Is that, does that sound correct? Yeah, pretty much. And and the nice thing um, around here, at least, there's there's a program that uh, if basically if if you're laid off work, which is what happened with me in the film industry, um, there's a program that basically sent you to a small business course, and I was able to take advantage of that. And basically, they they gave me all this information. Um, it was a, a three month course, and really helped me build a small business from there. So I was just very, very lucky in, in kind of how things got all set up between um, the last movie I worked on, which was Catwoman. <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah, so kind of going from the lows to the highs here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and from there, and just being able to step right into that program, which like I said, was a three-month small business program, which really helped me out. And then, you know, just business built after that, which is really, really nice. So is it fair to say then that the Canadian government has something to do with um, bringing about really gorgeous pipes in Canada? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I mean, in in a off kind of way, yeah, I was just really, really lucky that they liked my business plan with what I was doing. And they said, yeah, we'll, we'll totally back you on that. So that was really cool. As far as your workload goes, um, do you do mostly commissions or, or how does that how does that work out? I really try and keep the occasional pipe on my site just so people can come and see. But I'd say probably about 70% of my work right now is commissions. Um, it's just, it's, it's guaranteed money sort of thing. So, you know, you're not, it's uh, it's kind of nice just to be able to say, okay, here's a, here's the job I need to do. And this is laying out for this month. Let's make sure something gets on the website, but let's, you know, make sure the bills are paid too. Right. Um, who were your mentors along the way? There were a lot of people that really helped me out a lot um, when I first started getting to pipe making. You know, there's no real apprenticeship here in North America. It's it's basically, you know, you learn what you can. Mark Tinsky really helped me out a lot um, with some of the technical stuff. And uh, Trevor Talbert certainly was a huge inspiration early on. Um, but there's so many great pipe makers. But those are the two that kind of I would send off emails to and they'd get back to me with, with answers to some of my more silly questions. So yeah, definitely Mark Tinsky and Trevor Talbert were probably the two that really, really helped me out the most. Very cool. What would you say influenced your style in the beginning and how has that changed over the years? Uh, you know, looking at Trevor's Halloween pipes was probably the thing that kind of really sparked my mind into getting into pipe making as a business because, you know, I when I first started smoking pipes, I didn't really imagine anything other than, you know, a bulldog, a billiard, a love it, whatever. So seeing some of the stuff that he was doing kind of got me thinking as pipe making is an art form. 
And so that was probably a huge reason and inspiration for me to get into bike making to begin with, because, you know, as great as classics are, and I love making classics, it's really kind of cool just to be able to make something completely, you know, off the wall um, every once in a while. And, you know, that was probably the, the kind of spark that really got me moving into pipe making as a, as something I wanted to do full time. Speaking of making things that are off the wall, you certainly do that from time to time. I'm I'm just amazed at, at the stuff that you put out there. Um, what keeps you motivated or challenged from one pipe to the next? Besides bills, you know what what's kind of like your inspiration from from here to there? Well, the kind of the cool thing about pipes, at least the way I make pipes, is that I'm not making classic shapes every week. I love, like I said, I love classic shapes. I love making billiards, and a beautiful balanced billiard is is something wonderful though to behold but at the same token doing that every week i think would get pretty boring so for me at least you know every pipe is something different i can do you know there's something i can tweak in this pipe and then you get into the really creative ones that i make every once in a while and it seems like i'm making them more and more these days and you know everyone is, is very very different there's always new challenges to look at as far as textures as far as design is concerned so it's there's always something new which is something that certainly keeps me interested in pipe making. If I was doing the same thing every week, it might get boring after a while. So, but, but certainly it isn't now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about one of your biggest pipe making successes and then tell me about a a pitfall. It's funny because I think that one of my biggest pipe making successes and the pitfall is probably the same thing. And that's um, probably the this really really crazy off the wall pipes that I do make, um, is is great to make them and they're they're a ton of fun. Um, but by the same token, it's really difficult um, with the the crazy pipes to really say how long it's going to take, um, how much effort you need to put into it. So, you know, when you kind of go into a project, you want to be able to tell someone, okay, it's going to be about this much, um, just for the time and effort and everything else for for the pipe just to to be completed, and for me at least, I find that's really difficult to estimate sometimes. Like I'll, I'll spend days and days, sometimes extra than what I anticipated originally working on a pipe. So in some aspects, it's, it's really, really great because I've got something new um, every other month to work on. But in some aspects, it's, it's really difficult um, to really estimate um, how long these things take because sometimes it's just crazy. Yeah, and I can imagine that with with your work because it's so complex and so very artistic. That yeah, makes, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, it's just like, especially the the stuff that you do that's so out there. You know, all that all that's new territory every single time. I would imagine. Yeah, and I mean, I can I can do tests on other woods like briar i can okay this is kind of the texture i want to do how long is it going to take and i usually i always do that before i start one of the big projects anyway just to kind of make sure that the technique is down that's not going to look silly at the end um but even so it's 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 really difficult to estimate these things is there a pipe that once finished you felt like it was a major accomplishment outside of your normal scope there's a lot of pipes like that actually <laughs> because um I, I so often do things that are that are completely different than anything I've ever done before. I mean I just finished off a a, a raven pipe um based on a Haida art um technique that I've never done before. And you know there there's always new things coming um 
you know, going from organic flowing shapes into very regular, um, almost architectural shapes, like in some of the pipes I've done before. You know, I made an Art Deco pipe a couple of years ago that was really, was probably the most like what you're asking about because before that point I was doing largely organic shapes and this one really required um, extreme detail with the lines and when you're doing something symmetrical you can't fudge it you know you look at it and it's either balanced or it's not balanced so doing it freehand because there's no way you could put a pipe like this on a lathe or anything like that it was it was really difficult getting every single bit from left side to right side front to back balanced properly um so that was actually yeah probably the art deco pipe it was uh that i made a couple of years back was probably the one that was the most difficult in that respect right um let's talk more specifically about your work your your eye is very very unique and i'd I'd go as far as to call it highly unusual which is a good thing um you incorporate lines that may be very geometric in one pipe and very fluid in the next and all the while you use a completely unique color accent here or there and when i look at the body of work that is stephen downey pipes i see an artist very comfortable with expanding and flexing into many arenas, which is really great to see. So how do your pieces come together? So when making a pipe, how do you begin? Do you start on paper or on the block or a little bit of both? I really, pardon me, with the really um, out there pipes, I usually start on paper just because um, you never really know what the design is going to germinate into you know you kind of start with one design and for me at least i find that sleep is the greatest thing for me to figure out designs because the subconscious works while i'm sleeping and sometimes the next day i'll wake up and it's like oh that's the problem to that that's the solution to that problem that i was having with the design and sometimes for me the best thing for a design is just to sit on it for a while and let my brain figure it out um so yeah it's it's it usually starts off with paper. Um, then I go and try and find the best block that, that works with the really, really crazy pipes. But by the same token, you know, there certainly are pipes where you look at the block of briar and you say, okay, that block can't be anything else but this pipe. So it's, it's usually a pretty big combination of the two. Tell me about the Nautilus that you made. <laughs> that was, I really love that pipe. Um, what an amazing piece. Yeah, it's it's all kinds of different different um techniques kind of all stuck into one. You know, the there's there's brass work in there, there's there's plastic um for the tentacles, you know, and it's the whole steampunk vibe is something I really, really love. You know, I'm I'm a bit of a, a science fiction geek and fantasy and I really love that sort of stuff. So being able to kind of mix that into my pipes is, is really fun sometimes. So yeah, I mean, um yeah, that that pipe was, was great. Um you know the the top was was that that whole carapace sort of thing is made from brass um you know uh and it's just kind of the mixture of of all these elements that's that's so much fun i've been working on metalwork a, a lot more in the last few years i'm slowly looking at getting into to knife making as well so <clears throat> there's a lot of carryover between the the two aspects of of crafting you know there's there's metal work and that can be brought over into pipe work and the the woodwork and design from pipe making can really be brought over into knife making you know it's just a slow thing i'm slowly getting into but it's uh 
it's definitely there's a there's a huge amount of carryover between the two of them and the metal work that I'm doing more and more in in pipes like the Nautilus. Um, you know, just being able to to work comfortably with metal is is something that that I'm really kind of lucky that I'm I'm slowly working on these two two aspects of different design with. But the Nautilus was um was was a great pipe to work on. You know, it's got so many different elements in it, and it was just so fun to make. Was that the first time you worked with brass? Oh no, no, I've worked with brass a lot. Um, brass is is a really nice metal to work with. It's relatively soft. It's fairly easy to shape. Um, I haven't done any molding with brass yet. I haven't done any um, casting, but I'm sure that'll happen in the next little while. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's a great metal to work with. I've I've worked with with brass before, and it's it's always it's always good. Adds a bit of weight to the pipe, but you try and minimize that as much as you can wow it's such a neat piece just really really amazing nothing i've, I've never seen anything like it yeah it's, it's really kind of like i said it's, it's cool being able to to mix the, the metal and the wood together um how do you grade or stamp your pipes and has that changed over the years when i first started out um I, I basically just, just marked it as downy pipes or way back when, when I first started making pipes, um, I, I went by the name checkmate pipes and that was a long, long time ago. And I just marked a CM on the pipe. Then I worked from some CM to just downy and then the grading system came in. And so it's the different grading system for me is, um, a smooth pipe, a blasted pipe, a fantasy pipe or a creature of smoke. The creatures of smoke are the ones like the Nautilus, which are just completely out there. The fantasy pipes are the ones that are, you know, more your standard shape, but with certain design elements and twists to them that make them just a bit beyond what you'd normally expect with a, a standard pipe. Then you have the smooths and the blasts, which are basically classic shapes or variants thereof that, um, you know, fairly, fairly standard stuff. And the, the, the grading goes from grade one, which is the the highest grade, to grade five, which is the the bottom grade. And yeah, and basically I just mark the the pipes with the the grading system and the year that is made now. And of course, downy. And about how many pipes a year would you say that you make? That really depends. Um, in the last last few years i've been getting more and more creatures of smoke and because i have they take a lot longer to make so my overall production has probably gone down a little bit in the last few years but that said you know every once in a while i'll take on a cl uh, club pipe project and you know you're dealing with 10 15 20 pipes there and they're relative they're a bit faster to make than your standard pipe because you've basically got yourself set up that where you can make a whole pile of pipes all at the same time. And that's always a little bit faster and a bit more efficient. So there'll be years where, you know, I'll make, um, 60, 70 pipes. And there are years that I'll make, you know, maybe 50 if I'm lucky. Right. Right. Are there any pipes that once you've made them, they're really, really difficult for you to part with? <laughs> yeah, certainly there are. Um, it's kind of the, the curse of being a pipe smoker and a pipe maker at the same time, because, you know, every once in a while you'll come across this beautiful pipe that you just really want to keep or like, oh, that just that would just perfectly suit me. But uh yeah, sadly I usually have to let them go. There aren't too many pipes I keep. I usually keep the rejects for myself, the the ones that get blasted a bit too thin or, or something like that. Do you have a pipe collection? And if so, do you have a preference for straight or bent pipes? I do. Um you know, I probably go about 
40 or 50 pipes probably. I generally prefer bents or extremely lightweight straights just because they're easier for me to, to hold in my mouth. Because usually when I'm smoking a pipe, I'm working in the workshop and my hands are busy doing other things. So if you have a, you know, a great big huge straight pipe that's coming into your mouth with a whole pile of weight on the end, it gets a bit tiring on the teeth after a while. So yeah, I generally prefer um, either bents or very lightweight straights. Do you have a favorite pipe or a couple of pipes that you smoke regularly? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a Rad Davis that I love. I've got uh, a Trevor Talbert, uh, Talbert Briar that my wife bought for me a few years back. I've got a few Talbert LBs I just love too. I've got a Peter Heeshan, um that I really, really like. And <clears throat> for me at least, I like smoking pipes for pe- from people I know, people I've met. And so... Yeah, those are all pipe makers I've met in various shows, usually in Chicago where I've spoken with on the internet or, or whatever else. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of cool just being able to, oh, yeah, that's Trevor's pipe or, oh, that's Peter's pipe or whatever. Very cool. Um, what's your favorite tobacco right now? Oh, right now I'm working through some Christmas cheer right now, um, and I'm really enjoying that. I really like the McClellan Virginias. Um, but that said, there there's certainly a place in my heart for for uh, English blends and so forth. But generally, Virginias, straight Virginias are, are what I've been smoking for, for probably the last 10 years, and those are usually my favorites. What are what would you say your top Virginia, and then and then what would you say your top English is? Some really, really well, nice, nicely aged Blackwoods Flake is probably my favorite Virginia. Um, straight out of the tin is, is good, but if you put 10 years on Blackwoods Flake, it's amazing. Um, I also really like Marlin Flake, so, <laughs> um, decisions, decisions, they both have their place, but those are probably my two favorite Virginias. Um, my, for English blends, I, um, really like 965. It's a really nice blend. Um, I'm just kind of getting into English blends after abandoning them for probably about 15 years though. Um, I don't know why, just all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, I thought, oh, you know, I'll, I'll try an English blend and see what I'm missing. And I'm getting more and more into them, but 965 is probably my favorite right now. What do you like to do in your spare time when you're not making pipes? Oh, all kinds of things. I um, I like running. I'm I'm I really enjoy running. That's big stress relief for me. Um, just getting out of the house is sometimes really nice. I'm I'm a pretty much a, a pipe hermit here, so just being able to feel the air in my face is really good. Um, I play the mandolin. Um, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things to do. So yeah, I'm, those are probably two of my favorite hobbies right now. Do you play, uh, with a band or do you play right now just by yourself as far as mandolin? Just, yeah. You know, my, my work hours, I'm, I'm a really big night owl. So my work hours are pretty, pretty much guaranteed that I need to play by myself. So yeah, I just kind of sit at home and pluck away and it's, it's a, it's a nice way to end the night. Tell me one thing about you that is something I would have never known and maybe something that not many people know about you. Um, I, okay, the one that pops into my head is I used to be an instructor pilot. I used to spend my summers when I was going to university um, teaching uh, air cadets how to fly gliders. And no that kidding. was something I really, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and way back when. Do you still fly? I wish I did. Um, but flying, 
at least here is very very expensive just paying for the the gas for and the rental per hour um going through university i was a starving student i just couldn't afford to keep it up and sadly i had to let the my my uh my license lapse unfortunately and you can't just go around flying without a license i'm sure they probably frown on that yeah, they're they're not so hot on that idea. I would have to <laughs> probably go back and reset a test and certainly get another medical and all kinds of things like that. And yeah, I would love to get back into it at some point, but like I said, it's very, very expensive. So what is next in the shop right now for you? I've got all kinds of really cool things happening right now. I'm working on um a Klingon Bulldog, which is really, really cool. It's uh <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's basically a standard bulldog that's got this Klingon armor attached to it, which is going to be really, really awesome. Um, just going through the last final touches on that. Um, I'm working on a year of the snake pipe for uh, Gent. I've been working on um, Chinese Zodiac pipes for the last few years, and next year is year of the snake. So that's a project that's on the bench right now. And actually, have the same same guy I'm working on um, uh, a raven Catenhead for him. So yeah, lots of really interesting things happening in the workshop right now. Very cool. Tell me about the the Klingon pipe. Is is was that something that someone brought to you and said, "Hey, can you do this?" Or is this something that just you decided to do on your own? Oh no, no. This was something. This was an idea that was brought to me. And you know, like I said, I'm kind of a science fiction geek and a fantasy geek, so that was right up my alley. I just loved that idea. And so I came up with a couple designs, and I sent them back to him, and he sent some ideas back. And that's kind of the cool thing about being a pipe maker is is that I find a lot of my best designs aren't necessarily designs that I make myself, but are designs where someone kind of pushes me to do something a bit more than what I originally intended. And sometimes, like I said, that's that's the best way, at least for me, to get out of my comfort zone and do something crazy that really ends up working well. So, yeah. Did the original request come over to you in Klingon? <laughs> no, it didn't. But the, the pipe will probably have a Klingon name. Excellent. Excellent. Good to hear. <laughs> um, those interested in procuring one of these amazing pieces of functional art, go to downypipes.com. That's D-O-W-N-I-E. And first of all, sign up for his email list and then shoot this guy an email and pick up something amazing from him. You know, his email address and phone number are right there on uh, online, right there on his on his website. An outstanding gentleman with an artistic eye that is absolutely out of this world um, mark my words, this guy is easily one of my faves. It's always great to see what he's up to because you just never know what it's going to be. Steven, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me today. I really appreciate it, buddy. No problem at all. Thank you very much, Ollie. Yeah, you bet. And that was a chat with the super nice and super talented Mr. Stephen Downey. Dream up a pipe with that guy today. Simply amazing work. You know... It's been a while since I put out Christmas Pipes, but this year, I'm doing it again. Only three available at umpal.com. Go over to umpal.com, check them out. Each is stamped with the Monstrosity logo, the year number, and the set name, which is Christmas. They have hand-cut hard candy Christmas acrylic stems, snow-white Delrin tenons, lovely grain on each, black coal plateau, and winter mix slush coloration, blizzard white to roadside snow gray. These are currently available at my website, umpal.com, for only 150 bucks each. As with all monstrosity pipes, each comes with its own 
Ashes to Ashes Guarantee for Life. At the time of this recording, there is still number five of five from the Brothers Cobb series available at umpal.com. And if you go over to pipesandcigars.com, you can do a search for Oli and find some more limited edition pipes of mine. Not many left, so go check them out. There's still one at the time of this recording of the Beastie series. Uh, really, really neat stuff, if I do say so myself. Lastly, but most importantly, take some quality time with your loved ones this holiday season. Slow down and enjoy the simple gifts that life graciously affords us each and every day. Grab someone and give them a big hug. And if you know them, fantastic. I sincerely hope Santa makes it down your chimney this year and keeps from getting singed, burned, or worse. And I, I really hope he leaves you something really nice. Merry Christmas, friends. Let's talk soon. This has been Ole Sylvester for Oompal.com. Wishing you very good luck. Trying to decide what crazy, amazing, magnificent, incredible pipe that you're going to commission Mr. Stephen Downey to produce for you. 